different from so much of what we see around us and what we experience. We long for a world of peace, a world where there are no car bombs and no terrorist attacks, a world that's free from fear, a world that's full of love and joy and peace and justice rather than so much of what we see. At a personal level, we look for a life that's filled with purpose and meaning and happiness and joy and fulfillment. But here's the contradiction. When it comes down to it, we are in rejection of the very thing that will bring those things about. Sometimes even violently in rejection. See, take these great statements at the start of John's Gospel, these readings that are so common at Christmas, these profound statements about what we mean by Christmas, what we mean by the incarnation, the birth of Christ. Notice how beginning begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the ancient world, you would probably have believed that the world was the result of an impersonal principle. Divine, yes, but some basic underlying principle that led to the creation of everything. I suppose, to put it in modern terms, it would be a bit like saying that the world is as it is and exists because of fundamental physical principles. And they are impersonal, as far as I can tell. You can't have a conversation with a fundamental principle of physics. You can't fall in love with a fundamental principle of physics, although physicists sometimes speak in those kinds of terms. And I take it what they mean is that they are so intellectually stimulated by the things that they are discovering and the things that they understand that it motivates them and moves them even to tears, perhaps. But in any real sense of the word, those principles are not personal. And so in the ancient world, you would have said something similar. You would have thought about the word, the principle that lay behind everything. If you were a Jew, you would have thought of God's word, the God who speaks the world into existence. There is a God, you would have thought, who was personal, a God who communicates through his word, but there is a distinction in your mind between God and the word that he speaks. What I want you to notice in John's Gospel is how profoundly, personally, John writes, he was in the beginning. And then he reaches a climax in verse 14. The Word became flesh. The God who is personal according to John's Gospel 
becomes profoundly, accessibly personal in the person of Jesus Christ born in Bethlehem. The Word became flesh, became one of us. And in this Word, according to verse 4, is light. That is, Jesus, God amongst us, the Word become flesh, is the good Creator coming to restore His creation to its goodness, revealing Himself to us, bringing light and clarity, showing up what is dark and what is not, revealing God to us and bringing hope into the darkness. The birth of Jesus is the birth of the one who is the light who comes into the darkness. And then we come to the contradiction. If you would flip over in your Bibles, please, to chapter 3 on page 1112. There is this most damning of verdicts in chapter 3 and verse 19. Here it is. This is the verdict, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The coming of Jesus Christ is the coming of light into the world, the one who made the world comes to bring in a renewed world, a world restored to its purpose, a new order, a new hope, a new direction for the world, coming to bring hope to people who live in darkness. But you see the contradiction, people love the darkness rather than the light. Isn't that profoundly contradictory? Would you not expect that people would come to the light, to the one who comes to bring peace and joy and fulfillment and hope and mercy and justice and goodness? How is this possible? Well, look at the reason that the Apostle John gives. It's because their deeds are evil. People won't come to the light because they're of their behavior because of their lifestyles, which he describes as evil. Now, there's something very important for us to understand here. We have, most of us, an understanding of evil. We describe some things as evil. Someone drives a truck into a Christmas market in Berlin and kills innocent people, and we say that's evil. A terrorist bomb goes off, and we say that's evil. People are murdered, and we say, that is evil. And the perpetrators, we may want to say, are evil as well. We have our definitions of evil, our demarcations of those who are evil and those who are not. And by and large, in my observance, we draw those circles so that we exonerate ourselves. We are not like those people 
We do not do those kinds of things. We may not be perfect, but we are not perpetrators of evil. But you see, we need a different, different definition of evil. The definition of evil we need goes something like this. God is the source of all that is good. He is morally pure. And it is a life that is attuned to him and utterly attuned to him and his purposes that aligns with him and therefore is a life that is aligned to goodness. To put it another way, to turn away from God is to turn away from all that is good. And when you turn away from what is good, you turn away to what is not good, that is, to evil. That's the Bible's definition of evil. And an evil person is, in the Bible's definition, shockingly, a person whose life is not fully attuned towards the God who is good. And so people turn away from the light because they prefer the darkness because their deeds are evil, turned away from God. How have we turned away from God and why do we do that? So much of this, it seems to me, and in the Bible's understanding, is a matter of fear rather than love. See, we have given to us a view of what the good life looks like. If we want to pursue happiness and joy and fulfillment and purpose, then we should live our life in this particular way and pursue these sorts of things. So, for example, people will pursue career and money success because unless we do that, we will miss out on life. There is the fear. If I don't work really hard at getting my exams, if I don't really work really hard at getting my career, I will not be able to have the lifestyle that will give me hope and prosperity and joy and all those things. And so out of fear, I am driven to work even harder and so on. And so we devote our lives to the pursuit of prosperity, of career. Because we think that unless we do, we will miss out on life. That is the narrative that is told to us that we imbibe from our mother's milk, so to speak. And so, so many of our lives are driven by an underlying fear you know, it's famously said, isn't it, that nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at work, in the office. Why do we spend so much time in the office? Because we fear that if we don't, our lives will be blighted. And the result is that we remain in the darkness because that darkness protects our lifestyle, our desires, our choices, our self-centeredness. See, you don't have to murder somebody in order to do evil in the Bible's definition. You just have to try and live your life your way as opposed to God's way. Go the Willoughby way rather than the way of Jesus. 
but the pursuit of our way of life, the pursuit of the Willoughby world, won't change the world for better. It is only the light who can bring joy and peace and hope and justice. It's a profound contradiction, isn't it? It is also a very disturbing one. And as I said at Carols by Candlelight at Christmas, preachers are not allowed to say anything disturbing, are they? But actually, Christmas exists because human experience is so disturbing. And it is God's answer to the darkness that faces all of us. So how do you know whether you love the darkness rather than the light? How do you know whether your deeds are evil or not? Here's the answer. Verse 20. Anyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. That's the way you tell. The question is whether you have come into the light. And remember that Jesus is the light and he is personal. So coming into the light is about coming into a personal response to Jesus Christ. And that's how you know whether you love the darkness, whether you're in the darkness, whether your deeds are evil, whether the direction of your life is turned towards God or not. It's whether or not you come into the light. And how do you come into the light? Just a little earlier in John's Gospel, you have what's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how you come into the light. It is a personal decision to say, I will not remain in this darkness, but I will align my life with God's purposes, and so I will trust my life to Jesus Christ, who is the light. That's what it means to believe in him, to trust your life to him, to respond to him, and then to follow his way for your life. A few days ago, there was an atrocity in Berlin. A truck was driven into a street market, a Christmas market, and people were killed. I read an account of someone walking through the streets of Berlin with a friend and saying, remarking on the fact that it had never occurred to them before that the street lights in Berlin are not very bright. There is a darkness about that city, a city which, as he said, he had always thought of as a city of tolerance, an oasis within all the confusion and all the unsettling things that are going around, and he realized just as the lights were dark in Berlin and so the streets not too well lit, he realized there was another kind of darkness in Berlin. And his friend said to him, there is one upside to this. Because it is so dark, the Christmas lights shine more brightly. 
in the darkness of our world, and some people have described 2016 as the worst year they can remember. In the darkness, remember that there is a light that has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And he is our hope. He is our only hope, but he is a real and a true hope. This is God who has come to us, for us. And he invites us to step out of the darkness and into the light. If you've never done that, It would be your best Christmas ever if you did. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the coming of the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the light come to us out of your love for us. Father, please help us to be people who embrace that light and live in that light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.